Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Balls and Whistles, a Highland news and media podcast looking at everything that's been going on in the world of sport across the Highlands this week. It's been a busy one, there's a lot to talk about in and out of football, but first I should do the introductions. I am Andrew Henderson and I'm joined as usual by sports editor Will Clark. Will, how are you doing this week? All right, eh? Great enthusiasm to kick us off on, on the 31st episode of Balls and Whistles. No, be, I, I think I've been far too enthusiastic in recent episodes, so I thought I'd keep it modest <laughs> this week. I am actually all right. I'm, I'm fine, thanks, as I asked him. It's always just nice to see how people are doing before we start chatting to them for half an hour, 40 minutes, whatever this episode is going to end up being. Like mm-hmm. I said, well, there's been a lot going on, but I think we have to start with what, for me at least, was the most shocking news of the last week. Brora Rangers are looking for a new manager. Stephen Mackay quit after their 6-2 defeat to Fraserburgh last weekend. We do have a full interview up with him on the Balls and Whistles feed or your local Highland News and Media website. Um, So you can go and listen to his his full reasons and everything he had to say about it there. But, well, this this took me by surprise. Did it take you by surprise as well? It took everyone by surprise. It's only the second uh, game of the season for Brora Rangers. And, and yes, it was a bad defeat. And I know you're a diehard Fraserburgh fan and uh, you must have been rejoicing at the fact that uh, they, they took on the Highland League champions and absolutely obliterated them. Coming back from 2-0 down, I should add, Brora got off to a very good start. In about 15 minutes, wasn't it? 15 minutes. Um, but uh, Br- Fraserburgh just blew them away. And obviously after full time, Stephen felt that he was no longer the right person for the job. You know, I, I would debate that. I think he's an excellent manager. You just got to see what he's done in the past two seasons. He's won two Highland League titles. Maybe last season they only played three games and won a title. But you've also got to look at their progression in the Scottish Cup as well. He's done very well. He masterminded the victory over Hearts uh, and also um, a lot of great Scottish Cup results as well. People might think it's a bit of an overreaction, but like you said in the interview with Alistair Fraser that we put up, he felt that he was no longer the right man for the job. He felt his own job um, meant that he couldn't commit as much as he wanted to. But at the same time, he said some very strong things. He felt the hunger is no longer there at Brewer Rangers. And he felt uncomfortable watching his team against Fraserburgh, the way they were playing. And he said people might look from outside it and say, you know, it was one result. But he thinks it's been there ever since the League Two playoff semi-final defeat to Kelty Hearts. I remember speaking to him after the second leg defeat, and he was very crestfallen because I remember before the playoffs there was a lot of uh, confidence that Bruin Rangers would progress to the final and beat Brecon City. And I think a lot of people were confident they could do that too. But after the Kelty game and the way they were beaten both of those games, I think that was a bit of a reality check of what needed to be done. And maybe after the Fraser game on Saturday, maybe he thought he couldn't do it. And maybe that led to his decision. I think he would be the right guy to turn things around at Brewer Rangers, but he feels he's not. So it it came as a big surprise. I don't think that should be downplayed either, to be fair. If the manager has lost confidence in himself, you know, we often hear about managers losing the dressing room, but if he doesn't feel he's the right guy to do it, that's going to hold him back. Whatever he tries, there's going to be that element of doubt there. And you can't afford that trying to get up into the SPFL from the Highland or the Lowland League. I suppose the question is, what comes next for them? You know, because are there all that many candidates going about at the minute? 
complacency, I suppose, is to be expected to an extent when you're talking about the same team winning the league year after year after year. So are you looking for somebody with a track record or is it more the man management thing? It, it's This has taken everybody by so much surprise. It's then almost weird to think about the next step after it. It's got me thinking what's going on at Broader Rangers, if I'm being brutally honest, um, between the second game against Kelty Hearts and uh, the start of the season. Because you look at their squad, and it's not a big squad. Well, before Stephen left, because there have been a couple of loan signings that have come into Broda Rangers. Very young guys, so very young guys. We spoke about Ross County previously not doing their business early and not bringing in personnel and them having a quite a small squad. It's kind of similar at Broda Rangers. Yes, they had the big box office signing with Josh Meekins and um, that caught everyone by surprise. We thought, oh, well, what are Brewer Rangers planning? Are they bringing in big signing after big signing? But it's not really happened, has it? No, you're right. And I think looking at what the likes of Kelly Hearts have done over the last couple of years, you would have expected Brewer to come back with two or three more of the Josh Meekings ilk. It's not just that they haven't brought players in, they have let people go as well. And you'd think if they're trying to build the squad and get more strength and depth, they'd want to keep hold of pretty much everybody that they had that had gotten them to that Hearts result last season, that had gotten them to the playoffs uh, a couple of years in a row, albeit didn't always happen because of the pandemic. But, you know, looking at somebody like Greg Morrison was there, wasn't he? The striker used to be at Ross County. He's now gone to Rothis. It's not to say he would have been an automatic starter every week at Brora. It might have been his decision to leave. But you'd think Brora, for that strength and depth, if somebody isn't available on a week for work commitments, like does happen in the Highland League, they would want as many guys like him in the fold as possible. And they've got, what, 16 senior players? Something like that? Something about that, yeah. And they lost Paul Brindle to Forest Mechanics. They lost Bjorn Wagenaar. He's gone back to the Netherlands. They have brought in James Wallace, who previously was there and then went to Green at Morton uh, on loan at Dumbarton last season. That was a big signing as well. But it's still quite a small squad. And if you compare Rora Rangers to the likes of Brecon City, who have brought in some decent players who have played at a good level in the past, you look at Fraserburgh, who have a very strong squad, and they proved it last weekend. And you look at Bucky Fissel as well, who look like they could be an absolute juggernaut this season. Brora just don't seem to be prepared in the same sort of way. And I'm just wondering, did Brora set their standards in terms of bringing the kind of players in during the summer a bit too high? Did they look at Kelty Hearts and see the players that they had, like um, Nathan Austin and Callum Higginbottom and Tom Riley, who have all played at least second-tier football and thought, we need those kind of players to maybe bring in players that have played at a lower level or other Highland League players? that's not going to be good enough to get us promotion. Was that the kind of thinking going on at Brewer Rangers during the summer? And is that why they have such a small squad as they have just now until they brought in uh, the teenagers uh, from Frost County uh, this week? You know, I said I thought the Highland League could be a four-horse race. I'll be honest now, with things going on at Brewer, I think they're out of the run and I think it's going to be a three-horse race now. They're just not as prepared as breaking as Bucky and as Fraserburgh. And this might be a season where they have to reevaluate what they need to do to become not just a League Two side, which they were looking to be, but a Highland League Championship winning side as well. 
But yeah, it's taken me aback by what's happened at Brewer right at the start of the season. Something's no right. Well, this is kind of going back to what I was saying before, you know, looking at what comes next. Presumably, they are going to be appointing a new manager with the idea that they're looking to win the league at least. So that is a big job for somebody to take on. And straight away, there isn't an immediate name coming to my mind, at least. Maybe there will be for you. I don't know. That would be that's the perfect fit for them. Who do you bring in? That's the thing. Um, at high league level, who are they looking to bring in? Their job advert said they're looking for a forward-thinking manager. Uh, that was what was stated on their club website. So are they looking for an ex-professional football player? Are they looking for someone that has a Highland League record? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see who they do bring in. Here's one for you. Let, let me throw a name into the mix, because one has just come to my mind now that I've spent the last few minutes trying to rack my brains for somebody. If they're looking for someone who has a connection to Brora, who might still be around about the area, who might want to be his own man and would drop down to the Highland League to do that, how about Richie Britton? He has the kind of status that uh, Brora Rangers would want, given the nature of their signings and just someone that has that experience of playing at a higher level and maybe that has the ambition of taking Brora Rangers to the next level. We speak about former managers as well. I wonder about David Kirkwood. To be honest, I'm not sure what David Kirkwood's doing now, but he was fantastic during his time as Brewer Rangers manager, and he's a fantastic coach full stop. I'm not sure what he's doing now. I don't even know where he is. Um, (laughs) It could be a bit like the (laughs) A-team. You know, if you know where to find him, come get him. I remember when he was manager of Wick Academy and he was manager of Brewer Rangers. He was an excellent coach. And, you know, I was stunned he's maybe not managed at a higher level, given that he was an ex-professional footballer as well. He resigned from the job. I don't know if he'd be interested in going back to it, but I know he was at Ross County involved with their youth setup. I don't know. He might be interested. If they made it worth his while, he might be interested in going back. I don't know. It's one of those things. We're throwing names out there. We don't know if they're interested. We don't know what they're doing, if they're still up in the area. So it's pure speculation, but it's happening. You know, that's what kind of has to be done right now because we've no idea what's going to come next for Brora. And I'd like to think they have some idea, but they certainly haven't given anything away as yet. So who knows? They need to do something quickly. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say they're going to do it by Saturday. But on Saturday, they're facing Fort Martin United at home. And Fort Martin are no mugs to anyone. Fort Martin, they've got a great uh, squad, always underachievers, but you can never underestimate them. But Brona Rangers, they're six points behind in the title race, albeit with a game in hand. If they have um, designs on winning the, the Highland League title this year, they've got to fix things fast. So they might have to come up with a quick fix or they could be in big trouble. I'm not saying they're going to get relegated. I don't think there's any danger they're going to be relegated. Brewer Rangers aren't going to get relegated. But a disaster for Brewer Rangers is not winning the Highland League title. But I can't see them in the top three. And I'm not saying that because I'm a Wick Academy bias from my John O'Groat journal days, but something's wrong at Dungeon Park. Listen, we'll come back to the Highland League in a little bit, but we'll move on for now and talk about... Well, let's talk about the game you were at last Sunday, Will. Ross County away at Hibs. It wasn't the best of results for them, but how much of that was County not playing well and how much of that was Hibs just playing really well? First half, Hibs were fantastic. I know Mulkey Mackay wasn't happy with the defending with the second or the third goal, but Hibbernian really impressed me. It was just a first half blitz, to be honest. 
And I think they were maybe fortunate it was only three goals at half time. Second half, Ross County didn't concede any goals, fair enough. But I just wonder if Hibernian declared at three goals. I think they were happy with the 3 0 win. I think they were maybe had one eye uh, with the game against Raiheka this week. Is that how you pronounce it? How's your Croatian? We'll go with that. Why not? Raiheka, yeah. Aberdeen did them. <laughs> I think, didn't Aberdeen beat them? They were the only team to beat them that season, I think, on their own turf, but then they lost them a couple of years later. Is that right? Yeah, they did. They got that revenge eventually. So, But yeah, Ross County, yes, it was, you know, it's a defeat. But when you look at the players Hibs have, you know, Christine Dodge, Martin Boyle, Kyle McGuinness, Ryan Portis, Paul McGinn, Kevin Nisbet was injured, which I forgot in my fantasy football team, by the way. We made him captain. Uh, Josh Doig as well. You know, you look at it, it's a very impressive lineup. You know, County shouldn't be too disheartened by losing 3 0 to Hibs. Malky Mackay said afterwards that when they were 3 0 down, they didn't want to be like Dundee against Celtic. They didn't want to lose 6 0 at the final whistle. And they defended well, but like I said, Hibs took the foot off the pedal. And County didn't really create that much. I'm trying to think of anything that actually happened of note in the second half. It's one of those games. Yeah, it was just it was declared. When I say declared, declared a free goal. Sorry, I've been watching that hundred on BBC Two. Oh wow, you've actually been watching some cricket. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it. Um, <laughs> There's no declarations in the hundreds. What are you talking about? I know, but it's a, it's a, it's a cricket term. You know what I mean. But yeah, like I've said this previously, you look at Ross County's start uh, with Rangers, Aberdeen, Celtic coming up, and they had Hibs as well. Ross County maybe should maybe use this as a free hit to just try and experiment about what team works for them. And then maybe the season starts proper when they face Hearts in their sixth game and then they've got the rest of the league to play before they play the so-called Big Four again. Mackay was right to be disappointed with the goals that were conceded. But I wouldn't take it too much to heart because Hibs are really looking like a very strong team. Well, I, I think from the outside, the most concerning thing for County, and you're right, the expectations arguably should have been low going to Easter Road. But it was that, in a, a lot of ways, it looked like it was the same old story as last season. They let one in and two more immediately followed. And that's something that we were really critical of them for last year with that mentality, having that strength of mind to not just fold, to not let the heads go down when they let one in. I think that we actually asked Malky Mackay about in the press conferences this week, even though they're not playing this weekend, they still were quite good to give up their time for us. Here's what Malky had to say about that. The thought that we started first 15-20 minutes really well, gave as good as we got with a couple of chances. Uh, Regan Charles Cook in the left-hand side caused a right few problems. And then I thought we lost a, a, an unfortunate goal. I don't think the first goal in any way, you know, that's, that's they go in once every blue moon. Um, didn't too, do any, too much wrong at the goal. We looked at that one. But it, it, what it did was it, it spurred 15 minutes of um, a sense of panic among them. And it's something we, we addressed this morning, we talked about this morning as to how you cope with that. How do you cope? Because in the second half, uh, we were brave enough to actually get on the ball. And that's when I talk about bravery, it's not bravery just to, to get on the front foot and press teams, it's bravery on the ball. And that what that does, that kills momentum as well for the opposition. And I showed them, there's the little 11 minutes between 22 and 33 that it kind of um, 
once the first one went in, which was really unfortunate. It, you know, there wouldn't, there's no blame laid at that one with anyone. That's just unfortunate. But you know, for for ten minutes, people stopped doing what they were doing for the first twenty minutes. And what my, what we're saying to them is to how how we trigger that that you just have to keep that calm head and keep believing in doing what you're doing because it was working. And then the second half, go back to doing what I'm asking you to do and it was working again. So there's a frustration more than anything else with that because what we were doing was actually working in the game. But it's like anything, uh, unless you learn from those, then you're never going to get any better. So you've got to learn from your mistakes. And, le- and, and it's coping mechanisms. You learn from cope. You learn how to cope during a time of flux because there's times where you know teams are on you it's how you cope and it's how sometimes we talk about having calmness out of possession so when the opposition have got the ball times where you're actually you're, you're calm where you, you know you're in the correct shape you know you're doing things properly and it's it's that it's been it's been calm out of possession we've talked to him about that before um, knowing that when you get in possession what you should do what do you think, Will? Are you seeing much of a difference under Malky Mackay so far compared to what Ross County were like last season? That was your first time watching them, actually, wasn't it? That's maybe no, to be honest, that's the first time I've seen Malky Mackay's team in action. The thing that characterised John Hughes's time at Ross County was the grittiness, the, the more physicality in, in centre mid than was previously played under Stuart Kettlewell, where there was kind of a more free-flowing approach, which didn't really work. I'll be honest, it was hard to say because Hibbs really dominated Ross County in, in the first half. I agree with what you said with Reagan Charles Cook. I thought he was okay. I thought he tried to cause problems down the wing and uh, did get down. But I, I, I need to see more of them and maybe judging their performances against a team like Hibbs who are going great guns is maybe the wrong thing to do. It might be the wrong thing to do against Rangers and... Aberdeen and Celtic, maybe the right time to judge it is after those games and playing against the teams that they're probably going to be competing against in the bottom six and trying to at least finish six in the table. Bear in mind, they did beat Hib, Celtic and Aberdeen last season. They did. All under John Hughes, I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Maybe Malky Mackay might take note of that and uh, think that's the approach to do it. However, it's almost a completely different squad now. Uh, with 15 players being released at Ross County last season. Well, no, no, that's, that's wrong. You know, you know there's, there's still a, a number of the first team players that are in the squad, but you look at all the loan signings and the signings to come as well. I'd rather wait another few weeks before saying that if I can really make a difference between Malky McKay's team and John Hughes's team. Because I think to judge it against Hibs and how good Hibs are at the moment and how they dominated that match, I just think it'd be... A bit unfair on Ross County. I'm going to give them a bit of grace, Hendo. Sure, fair enough. Well, Mark McKay's still looking for, I think it was four more in this window. Unlike last week where we could say we were expecting deals to be done today as the podcast goes out, we're not expecting anything imminently. Mark McKay says he's basically going to take up the rest of the window to get those last couple of players in. But if we go across the Keswick Bridge, Cali Thistle, as far as they're concerned, are done for the transfer window. I think you've seen a little bit more of them. Well, I was at their game last weekend against Wraith Rovers. There were a few chances for each team. Defensively, I thought they were both a little bit suspect in the first 15, 20 minutes, but Cali Thistle really grew into it, ended up having, I think, a good chunk more of the ball and what a strike it was to win it by Roddy McGregor. 
It means they are two wins from two at the start of the season. It can't get much better for them in the league right now. You're saying it was some strike by Roddy McGregor. I think the great Archie McPherson once put it as, woof! <laughs> it was a cracker, wasn't it? No, it was superb. I was, that's the only bit I've seen of the game. I'll have to, I'll have to trust your judgment in the Inverness Courier of how the rest of it went. It's always a risky um, thing to do. Well, it's too late now. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a good start for Cali Fissle. People might say 1-0, 1-0. Tell you what, maximum points. And to be honest, I was a bit nervous for them after watching them during the group stages of the League Cup, especially against that Sterling. I keep going back to that Sterling Albion game, but that first 20 minutes, they looked, they were all over the place. But they do seem to be a bit more disciplined at the back now. You know, reading your report last Saturday, I think uh, there was one or two bits that were a bit wobbly, but uh, they, they got away with it. But these are games that maybe last season Cali Fissel wouldn't have won. And that's testament to Billy Dodds and uh, how resolute the squad are after the, the League Cup. So six points. And there's t- if you look at the table, there's only four teams that have won. Partick, Kilmarnock and Morton. Maybe they beat Hamilton last weekend, didn't they? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry to hear Brian Rice has resigned as manager, by the way. Um, former assistant at Inverness Caledonia Fissel. But no, it's a, it's a great start and it shouldn't be scoffed at. You know, 2-1-0 victories, two clean sheets. Didn't happen last season. No, absolutely. And talking to Manny Duku after the game, you go back to that Sterling game in the League Cup, but he, I think, quite rightly says if they keep this going in the league, people will be forgetting all about the League Cup group stage pretty quickly because promotion is the target. You know, that's what their season is going to be judged on, not necessarily how they do in the Cups. And I know, Will, you were talking to Kirk Broadfoot earlier on this week as well. And he was, I think, quite optimistic about Cali Thistle's chances of challenging right at the top of the table, wasn't he? He thinks they can, they can challenge. Um, he's putting Kilmarnock as favourites. To be fair, you only have to look at the players that they've brought in. And you, they've got a Premier League budget. Uh, they've got the same budget that they had last season. So um, they are kind of a, an advantage as well. But... Broadfoot's pleased with how things are going now, especially after Arbroath, because Arbroath didn't lose many games at home last season. And uh, we all know about uh, the prowess Rafe Rovers have up front, and uh, they kept a clean sheet against them. And I think it's Air United is Cali Fissel's next game at home, which is quite favourable. So it's a, it's a good chance to get a winning run at the start of the season. And uh, I still think it's the most open championship in years. So does Kirk Broadfoot. He makes Kilmarnock favourites simply because of the, the Premier League budget that they have. But it's a good start by Inverness. And, you know, people are going to say 1-0, 1-0. Don't scoff at it. It's six out of six. Absolutely. And like you said, against teams that they weren't always getting, you know, big results against last season, especially our growth. I know they've got a decent record against Wraith, but it's certainly positive signs for them. You mentioned their next game against Air. That is a week tomorrow. Uh, they're not in action this weekend as our Ross County got a free weekend because it's League Cup weekend, second round for that. County are back in action again next week against Rangers at home. Do you think they need more signings? Cali Thistle? Yeah. No, I don't think they do because you look at the results so far in the league, kind of forget about the League Cup for now, I think, as I said before, um, and they've done it without three or four guys who have been out injured. 
So when they come back in, that squad is going to look so strong and they're already getting results and they're already adjusting to how Billy Dodds wants to play. You look at Shane Sutherland as a number 10 and he is absolutely crucial to how this Inverness team works right now, how they play right now. And he had a really good game last weekend. We're more accustomed to seeing him leading the line up front or out wide, maybe trying to cut in on his left foot. But as the number 10 link between the midfield and the attack, he has such an important role to play. And they've got plenty of options there. You know, you could play Tom Walsh in there. You could play Michael Gardai in there. You could play Billy Mackay in there. I think they're like that in most areas around the pitch. I really don't think they need major recruitment at this point, if anything. If a player like Scott Allen last season becomes available, I think you have to go for someone like him. But if Cali Thistle end the transfer window as they are right now, I don't see that being an issue. I just wondered if they needed one more central defender, um, just in case Broadfoot or Danny Devine become injured. But I guess you could always bring Robbie Dees back in from left back and play Cameron Harper. I do think Robbie Dees is going to be the first choice left back now from what I've seen. It looks like it now, doesn't it? No, but like I said, if, if, if Devine or Broadfoot are out, I think Diesel will come back to centre-back with Harper coming in at left-back. David Carson is forever condemned to be a right-back now because he's so excellent in that position. But then you've got Wallace Duffy. If Carson's required to move up midfield, which he can also play. So, you know, I, I, I agree. I think Cali Fissle don't need any more additions uh, for this campaign unless Dodds feels it is required to bring in someone of quality. But I think personnel-wise, I think he's declared. That's the word of the week, declared. Of course, injuries could yet change a lot. If somebody ends up picking up a major issue, then they might feel like they have to go back into the transfer market. But in the middle of defence, Wallace Duffy can always fill in there as well, if need be. So I, I don't think they need that much more. And I don't think they've got too much of a budget <laughs> for no, many more thing. signings. They, they don't have Kilmarnock's budget, do they? No. no. They don't have Dunfermline's budget. I'm stunned by how badly Dunfermline have started the season. They were my tip to win it. With all their investment and the players they brought in, I thought Todoroff was an outstanding signing. But uh, it's been a kick up the par so far for them. You always do love that pun, don't you? Well, we're talking about Cali Thistle and Ross County's season getting off to decent start in Cali Thistle's mind. Not maybe so good for Ross County. It's also been fairly mixed for a couple of teams in the Highland League. Nairn County managed to end their two-match losing run by getting a draw last weekend. Clack picked up their first point of the season as well, away at your old stomping grounds, Will, of Wick Academy. I think for both of them, that was probably quite a good result on the road, away from home against the teams they were at. Clack back in action tonight at home against Strathspey, nearing at home tomorrow against Fraserburgh. That's going to be a really tough one for them. Let's start with Clack a little bit because this is a real opportunity for them to get a first win on the board. This is a, the kind of team that they'll be looking to beat uh, with all the greatest respect to Strathspey Fissel, who have had not a bad start to the season themselves. Uh, they got a good point against Wick Academy as well, and they gave Forrest a good game too. But uh, Clark McCullin, they should be buoyed with the point they got at Harmsworth Park. Wicked Academy, they might not be the team that they were, but it's, Harmsworth Park is certainly a difficult place to go, and not ju- just because of the slope at Harmsworth Park. Uh, Clark took the lead, and they fell 2-1 behind, but uh, James Anderson scored, a, I think it was 89th minute to rescue a point against Clark. Yeah, it was right at the end. 
that that's something that Jordan McDonald, the manager, should be pleased with. That they're fighting their team. If they they go behind, heads don't go down, and uh, they should use that as an example to carry that on for the rest of the season. Going to Nairn County as well. That was a great result at Rothfuss. That that shouldn't be underestimated. They didn't win, but they got a point. Rothfuss are dark horses for the Highland League title. I mentioned my top three: Bucky Fraser, Brabrican. Sorry, Brora, I'm ruling you out. <laughs> but I think Rothfuss were always almost there, but not quite. But you look at the players they've got, and um, Nairn County after bad defeats to Lossiemouth in the North of Scotland Cup, and and then Devon and Vale. This was a response. So it's maybe unfortunate they're playing Fraserburgh at the weekend. I think they will go in as underdogs, despite having home advantage, because Fraserburgh are up. Well, you saw what Fraserburgh did to Brora, didn't you? Anything but defeat would be a good result for Nairn County tomorrow. Uh, but Clark and Cudden tonight, I think this is they should be aiming for their first win of the season. Well, I was going to play a little clip of my chat with Jordan McDonald there on the week, Will, but you basically summed up the entire thing yourself there by saying they should take heart from how they battled back from going behind last weekend against Wick and use that to take them into tonight's game against Strath Bay on home turf. So I'm not sure there's much point in me actually playing it because we basically covered it there. But you're spot on, basically. You know, it's Clackney Cotton can see five goals in each of the first two games. Again, it's quite easy to think when they went behind especially after going in front, because it's that high then, though, which makes it so much worse. Heads would drop, that would be it. But they did come back. They did get a late equaliser for the first point of the season, and hopefully that's a sign of things to come. Uh, I know Jordan McDonald was talking to our colleague up in the Wick office, Alan Hendry, after the match, and he was saying that they had to play ugly a little bit, really, to get that result and, and stop Wick from scoring some more. And... That's the kind of thing that might be needed again, especially against a team like Strathbay, who you wouldn't be expecting to be right at the top end of the league. You know, it might just come down to that extra bit of physicality, that extra bit of desire, um, rather than maybe a bit of quality. You're going to be, I think, at both of these games this weekend, aren't you? You're going to be at Clack tonight and near and tomorrow, all being well. That's going to be a lot of football for you, but hopefully you get to see a couple of good results for the Highland teams. I want to give a quick shout out as well to Callie Thistle's women's team who start their championship North season this Sunday away at East Fife. Uh, we talked to Karen Mason earlier in the week. You can see what she had to say to preview the game in the Highland News and today's Inverness Courier as well. But I think we've been talking about football more than long enough. I think we should move on, talk about some other things. And well, since you're in a cricket-esque mood by talking about declaring all day and you're watching the 100. Ross County Cricket Club have a chance to end a 21-year wait to win the Nosca Senior Cup. They'll take on Forest tomorrow. They've beaten Forest twice already this season. They've beaten them in the league and in the 2020 Cup, which was the first time they'd ever won that. I spoke to their opening batsman, Chris Blake, earlier on this week to see how the club were feeling ahead of such a big match.
right. We've beaten Forest in the league this year, and we've beaten them in the T20 Cup as well. So we'll be we'll be hoping to do the hat trick on them. Um, Forest will be Forest are always a good side. Um, they'll be looking they'll be looking for revenge. They'll have a good side out, um, and it's just going to come down to uh, to who applies himself on on the day. It's a big opportunity because I know when you guys made it through the cup final, I think you'd said, and I spoke to Ronnie as well, it's been so long since Ross County won the cup. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's been, it certainly has been a long time since we won the cup. So, so we're, we're right up for it. There's no shortage of motivation anyway. Is there any pressure that comes with that as well, though? No, no, there's no pressure. We're, we're pretty easy going. Um, we just take it as it comes. We're not putting any pressure on ourselves. We're just, we're going to enjoy ourselves and we're going to, hopefully, if we can just uh, take our catches, roll as well as, as we know we can, and apply ourselves with a bat, then it, it, it'll be fine. When Chris was talking about disappointment earlier on, that that's because they lost in the league to Northern Counties last weekend, which really puts them up against it in the race for the league title. But instead of maybe going for a hat-trick of trophies, they're still on for a double. And this, as we're saying there, would be a, a really big deal for Ross County. Uh, 21 years since they last won it. I'm sure they'll be excited. Will, are, are you going to be paying any attention to this? Have you been watching some of the hundreds? I'll, I'll declare on it. all cricket conversation. Well, fair enough then. No, no, I, I'll, I'll wish Ross County all the best tomorrow, but... Let's face it, you're the cricket expert, not me. <laughs> I just end up me going on like a five-minute monologue about cricket and just boring everybody to death, probably. It, it, it's great that, uh, you know, just from a sports view in particular, it's fantastic they're still on for the treble, despite their setback in the league. I think it's still possible for them, isn't it? It's still possible, but now there's only three games left and they're going to need other results to go their way. It's, it's out of their hands at the minute. It is still possible. It's probably looking more likely that they're on for a double right now as opposed to a travel. But you never know. You never know. Well, last St. Johnston, there's nothing wrong with a cup double. <laughs> Absolutely not. Well, let's go to something then that you maybe will feel a little bit more comfortable talking about. We were talking last week about Bewley's chances of reaching the Kamenath Cup final. They got so close to it. I couldn't believe my eyes watching the Twitter feed and getting the update through. But I think you were catching up with Lovett earlier on this week about their own chances of making it through, weren't you? Yeah, because the Kamenak Cup is the big competition. Well, some shinty clubs might uh, argue it's always the big comp- competition, but there's no National League this season due to the impact of the pandemic. So it's standalone, the biggest uh, tournament in shinty. And I uh, love it to have a chance of making the semi-finals when they head to Gobe and Kamenak t- tomorrow afternoon. Uh, they're still to play their quarter-final clash and uh, they play Kinesia Kilmali in the semi-final. I love it. Last one, the Kamenak Cup in 2015 and ended a 62 year wait for that one so they don't want to wait as long this time and I spoke to Jamie Matheson the the manager there they're confident that uh, they can get a result and are in contention to win the trophy this time they could face Kingnusi in the semi-final they played last weekend in the Macaulay Cup semi-final and got beat 4-0 but it was 0-0 at half time but uh, Jamie Matheson put that down to they'd played three games in seven days and maybe tiredness had caught up with them. Maybe Kingusi are just a very good team. I don't know. <laughs> they, they, they look to be the best team by a mile this year. But um, in terms of Inverness, I love it. Are the last remaining team left? So a lot of local interest in how love it do. But they're expecting a tough match against Open Kamenach 
the last time the Premiership was played, they finished second in the table. And I think they've still got most of those players, so it'll be a tough ask, but love it, fancy their chances. I may just be confusing my cups and shinty, Will, because there's been a lot of draws over the last couple of, of weeks and months and a lot of games being played in different competitions, but are Kinloch Shield still in it as well? They are. Last weekend, they hit Oban Celtic for six in a 6-0 win. That's another cricket reference. I know. God, I'm still watching that 100. Um, yeah, I mean, Kinloch Shield were heavy favourites anyway, being a, one of the Premiership teams, Oban Celtic, a bit of a mid-table, second-tier team. But Johnson Gill was telling me that he only fielded five first-team players due to an injury crisis. The rest were all youngsters. And yet uh, they managed to pass the test with flying colours against a very disciplined open Celtic team, as Johnston put it. So basically it's now a case of counting the days to the semi-final against Kells Athletic, who will, will be a tougher test. And uh, Johnston's confident that uh, he'll have most of his players back recovered from injury. The thing about Ken Shield, despite winning the Premiership, when was it? 2018? I think it was 2018 they won the Premiership. 2017 or 2018, it wasn't that long ago, but they've never, ever reached the Cabinet Cup final. So it's it's a milestone that they want to achieve. They've reached the semi-final only a couple of times too, so that just shows you how far Kinloch Shield have come as a side in recent years, and um, it's the one competition left they have to win, so best of luck to them. Absolutely, and talking of milestones, another story that you were doing this week, Will, in martial arts, you were doing a jiu-jitsu piece about uh, a group of Inverness youngsters looking to make a mark on the European stage. Yep, H. Mark Inverness are sending 13 young jiu-jitsu athletes to Wolverhampton for the European Championships in September. You know, it's quite an impressive amount of athletes are taking. I was speaking to the coach, Aidan McKenzie, and I think he told me that they're all aged between 5 and 17 years old. And it's going to be a fantastic experience for them. And he has high hopes that they can bring but a, quite a good medal haul. I wasn't too knowledgeable about jiu-jitsu when I spoke to him, but uh, apparently it's all about submission, about chokeholds and joint manipulation. So it sounds like something that you'd be into, Andrew. So <laughs> I can have a word with Aidan and see if you, you fancy joining. Um, but best of luck to them. Uh, Jiu-jitsu is one of the, your major disciplines in mixed martial arts. It's the grappling, as you say, it's the submission-based stuff rather than the striking, which will come from kickboxing, taekwondo, karate, whatever. So, yeah, it's it's a very important part of the whole MMA package. And, of course, the HMAC gym owned and ran by Ross Houston, who's a Bellator fighter. Aidan McKenzie is the jiu-jitsu coach there, as you said. And you look at some of their posts on social media of, the kids' classes as, as much as the adults' classes, and there are a huge amount of people that are taking part in martial arts in various different forms at the gym. So full credit to them for doing what they're doing, and, and fingers crossed it all goes well for them down in Wolverhampton because it would be great to see more youngsters coming back with medals. You ever done any martial arts yourself, in? I haven't. I think when I was younger, my parents were probably a little scared that I would just start actually fighting somebody instead of, you know, learning the discipline. My brother did karate, but um, they never put me in for anything. So I'm sure there must have been a reason for that at the time. <laughs> How about you? I've never done martial arts myself. I, I bruise like a peach. Ah, so uh, OK. I'll, I'll just stay at that kind of thing. But best of luck to all the kids going down to Wolverhampton next month. And uh, 
bring back a load of medals and uh, tell us your stories when you're back. Absolutely. It'd be great to hear them. Well, I think that's everything I've got on my list, but I also should do a fantasy football update because that's a thing that we're doing now. And after the highs, as far as I was concerned last week, of being second after week one, I think it's only fair for me to share that I was the lowest scorer in the Balls and Whistles League for game week two. I ended up with just 19 points, which has seen me slip right back down to mid-table. But, well, I'm still ahead of you. So as far as I'm concerned, that's a win. You ended up with 31 points. The highest scorer was Alan Thompson. His team name is Football Home Yet. He's risen right to the top of the table. He might be top, but that's a horrendous name. (laughs) When actually talking about some English participation, I got a message from Andy Dixon, who you'll be familiar with from the Health and Lift Nest podcast, all of our listeners, last week to say that he tried to join after I put out the reminder on last week's episode. And apparently entries are closed, which I didn't realise was a thing. So if you're listening and you want to take part, unfortunately, now you can't. That's a thing. But if you want to send me uh, screenshots from the Balls and Whistle Twitter account, I'm sure I can give you a mention. Andy ended up with 40 points, which would have put him fifth for the week. But because he missed out on game week one, he would be bottom of our table by another 40 points. Well, it's his own fault. How many weeks did you speak about this? Bigging it up? Well, I mean, I tried. I don't think you did much when the couple of weeks I was off, but I, I did try and promote it a few times. Yeah, that's just the way it is. He was too late. I didn't realise there was such a thing as a cutoff for entry, but hey-ho, there we are. He would be bottom of the table anyway, so it doesn't matter too much. No, I've, I've zero sympathy for him. <laughs> well, are you going to continue with your tactic of not putting in any Celtic Rangers players? Yep, I'm going to do that for the entire season. Although I should change Kevin this bit from the start and line up there. Well, he, he might be back because we've got that extra week now. He might be back by the time... Of the course, next... I don't have to do anything this week. No. No. I, I'm not going to have this segment next week because there's not going to be anything to update. It's going to be strange. Good. <laughs> did you have Lawrence Shankland in your team? I did not have Lawrence Shankland in my team. Check him going in Belgium. I know, million-pound move, apparently. So million. if anybody does have him, make sure you take him out by the time next week rolls around. Well, I think that's everything then. So all that's left is for me to give uh, probably another quick plug actually now to Health and Lift Ness after I mentioned before and Active Outdoors. Along with us, you can hear them on everywhere you can find podcasts and of course the Highland News and Media websites. If you do listen to us, make sure you tell your pals about it or leave a review. It always helps people find us, which is good for us. It just makes us feel uh, like what we're doing is a bit more worthwhile if more people are listening. It's always a nice thing to happen. We'll be back next week with the latest news then, whatever's going to happen in the next few days. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a good week.